Welcome to the Fractional Edge Podcast, the ultimate podcast where we unlock the power of workforce planning and discuss the rapidly growing fractional executive staffing strategies to supercharge your business. Um, Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fractional Edge live podcasting for back 2023. We have first guest today is Jake, and he is a fractional chief learning officer. So Jake, tell us a little bit about who you are, what's your story, um, and just what's your, what does a fractional learning officer do? Well, first, thanks for having me. This is a real honor. I appreciate it. And I love the top. That is fantastic. A <laughs> uh, little bit about me. I've been in training development for 30 years. I've had the privilege of training overseas. I've trained in six countries and it's been a great experience. And I think the reason I really went into training was because I was a really untrainable kid. Mm. So as I got older, it's like, wow, maybe I can maybe I can help by looking at what I did wrong by doing something right. The fractional chief learning officer role is a role that focuses on the training and development of people. So it's developing an onboarding program. It's doing continuing education because a lot of times training is once a year. We have an annual event. Let's get a bunch of trainers together. But really, it's about training all the time and keeping people skills really above par, not Mm -hmm. just what they need to be, but but who the business needs them to be. And more importantly, we want to grow as individuals. So it's who we need to be. On top of that, I work a lot with salespeople. Okay. Uh, we have a lot of uh, methodologies out there for sales. And what I do, I don't espouse a methodology. I espouse a way to communicate. We talk about communication methods. So whatever methodology a chief revenue officer is using, I sync perfectly. All I do is tell the representatives, this is how to have the perfect communication with your client. Interesting. So when you think about the chief learning role and as a fractional, do you have your ebbs and flows? Is it more, is it busier during certain parts of the year, a little bit less in other parts? Yeah. You have some businesses that'll have meetings four times a year, quarterly, Mm -hmm. but ever since COVID people have really cut back on meetings. For instance, my wife works for a bank and they used to have meetings all the time. Now they don't have any. So I've found that if I work with a company, usually it's through Zoom, and occasionally I'll show up at a meeting of theirs. Okay. But I found even recently, a couple of my clients, they'll schedule a meeting for January. Then it's like, well, we're going to do it in March. Can you do Zoom in January? So things have really fluctuated a lot. And what used to be seasonal is now almost unpredictable. And as a chief learning officer, what component of your um, offerings is leadership development? It's, a, it's about a third of what I do. Since the companies are really driven by revenue, and who isn't, but since they're really driven by revenue, a lot of my focus is on the salespeople. Second is customer service. People want to up their customer ratings one, one and a half stars, so that basically customers are feeling comfortable about calling in. They don't feel as though the only time they get contact is to be sold the next package or to renew their contract. And then you have the management learning skills or the leadership skills. The odd thing about leadership skills is that a lot of leaders don't take the time to do it. So when I introduce it, it, it's not part of their day. So when I do talk to them about how to mix it in and how to get better as leaders, they almost prioritize their days differently to try and make room for that. But that's why it's only about a third of the business is because leaders are busy leading. 
Yeah, it's it is difficult sometimes for the leaders to recognize that that's actually a big chunk of their jobs. Yeah, right. And really, what they're learning from you as they're going through leadership development is how to lead others and all those great skills that you're showing them and that they're practicing with you. They should be pushing right back out onto their employees. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So in your experience, you know, as a fractional executive, do you have some key strategies or best practices that have consistently delivered positive results? I can tell you one is outreach. Uh, I used to be very focused on just selling who I am and what I did. And when I stopped doing that, I found that not only did business get better, but I found that people understood me and I understood them a lot more. So I used to be very aggressive with, here's who I am, here's what I do. And now my first outreach is, wow, I looked at your profile, it's amazing. And I never give out a false compliment. I I really think what they're doing is amazing. And I leave it at that. And if they reach out back to me, if we eventually get into a conversation about who I am and what I do, excellent. If not, it's a genuine outreach. But what I didn't realize would happen, Kyle, and this was kind of my aha moment, was that when people ask me what I did, I say, you've already seen it. Mm. I teach a way to communicate that is fruitful for both parties. So your sales team, when they're on the phone, they're not selling. They're establishing rapport. They're building a long-term relationship. So by the time you and I get to what does Jake do, you've already seen it. And that has been a real pivotal moment in what I do. Do you utilize any external resources like um, assessments or anything to really gauge where the organization is when you go in? Or do you go in with a methodology that is based on your experiences? It's a great question. I used to go in with a game plan in mind. And probably about three years ago, I changed that. So what I do now is I offer a one hour free consult If we need another one, we do another one. But my consult involves talking to leaders, talking to some of the salespeople, talking to the managers of the salespeople, and then determining if we're even a fit. You know, I used to be of the mindset that I can help anybody. And the reality is I can't. Hmm. So if they have the right attitude coming in and I have the right attitude coming in and we have a meeting point, fantastic. But that's going to come through me interviewing them and their salespeople and their managers to see if we're even going to work out. So I'm not an answer for everybody, but the people I am the answer for, we've really gotten some great results. When you go in and and do your programs there, and now you've got graduates, if you will, from your learning courses, what is usually call it the positive outcome or the potential negative outcome? And like thinking negatively, how many people end up having to kind of be let go because they just can't get to where the company needs them to be now that they've gone through your learning program. Right. And and thank you for asking that. It, it's funny because I'd like to just take a step further into your question. Mm-hmm. When people think of training and development, a lot of times they get this thought in their head of, oh, it's a one-time training and you're good to go. And one of the things that's not a meeting place for companies and I is they say, I need my group trained. I need it done in three days. We're just not going to be a fit. Because training is so much more than that. So the positive outcome is when people really take it seriously and we work together, usually I wind up staying on as a coach for the next six months to get that follow through. And with the last company I was with, we did weekly meetings. So I met with the SDRs, AEs, and broker group all separately 
once a week just to reinforce what we are learning and add things on to what we learned. I'd like to give a homework assignment each week. Here's okay. something to look for this week. Look for it. And next week, we're going to talk about, A, how well you looked for it, and B, what you thought when you finally saw it. The negative side is a lot of times companies will go, hey, I'm awesome at this now. But then they onboard new people. So you get the great people, and then you get the people who aren't so sure. Mm -hmm. And what winds up happening is when they start getting together, it all gets diluted. So that's why I also specialize in developing onboarding programs so that when new people do come on, we're going to get the same type of flow. And since what I do, Carol, is proprietary, mm -hmm. it's individual to the company, their customers, their demographics. It's not a one size fits all. And when I leave, which we're supposed to work ourselves out of a job. Mm -hmm. So when I leave, they have all the collateral they need to keep it going. Nice. You know, learning and development, that training component is a strong and needed output of workforce planning. Right. How do you take your programs and maybe is it part of the discovery or maybe is it a post assessment where you're seeing where did the output of the learning and development programs ladder up to where their talent to task Right. are. And yep. if that's really setting the foundation for growth and then even laddering further up to the company strategy, how does you, how does your way of doing that work in workforce planning? Well, the beautiful part about it is I work directly with the COO, the CRO, and oftentimes the CMO. So my, the beauty of what I do is I don't have to give direction. All I have to do is figure out how to make their direction move forward. So if a CRO and a CRO says, Hey, listen, all of what we want to do is we want to jump sales by 2x. We want to make sure our conversion rate goes up by 4%. This is what we want to do. Then my ask of them is then you got to trust me to get you there. So what I do is I measure my success by how well I hit their matrix. I think the thing that, that gets a little confusing at times is people think trainers come in and train their own way. That's not my job. Okay. My job is to go in and develop a program to get where you, as a, as a COO, CEO, CRO, CMO, it's to get where you want to go. So I work with you, but almost at the same time for you. Okay. I just want to make sure you get what you want. So the component of whether or not they've got the right people in the right seats is really on the CRO, the CMO, and those people. And Correct. they're seeing that there's a gap within the ability to grow their people. Right. And that's where you come in to really give them the tools in their toolbox right. to fill those gaps so that those salespeople can actually become sales managers or sales leaders Correct. and continue to move that organization. Because, you know, when you look at companies that are growing, what they'll do is they'll take home, this was my best sales rep, so I'm going to move them to a manager. <laughs> and it, it's a great idea because you want to transfer those skills, but sometimes they don't have the tools to get there. Yeah. They don't understand the negotiating, the people managing. They don't understand those processes. And that's okay. It's not their fault. But what we try to do is we help not only teach them how to be good salespeople, but also prep them for the next role. And sometimes that's through assessment. Sometimes it's working with me one-on-one -on -one just so I can get where you are and try to understand where you need to go. So it's a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. I'm not the type to, could, to come in and say, here's nine forms, fill them out. I'll get back to you with a plan. Yeah. It's a lot of talking, a lot of phone calls. Got it. Good to know. Um, so can you, do you have any lessons learned or do you have any myths that you can bust about 
fractional executives and really the whole industry around fractional so that our listenerships of CEOs and founders can better understand why this is really a viable, if not preferable way of moving forward in their business. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I work with a lot of startups and I work with a lot of small businesses. I've worked with people that were just two people and I've worked with people that were 500. And I think the big thing is they're strong on budget and they're strong on revenue and you need the revenue to meet the budget. But I think we've gotten into the mindset that I have to have somebody full time. I have to own their hours. They have to be on my beck and call all the time. And I think the understanding we need to shift towards is that fractionals are those people, but you only really need them part of the time. When a company goes to hire me, I say to them, I'm going to be a good fit because you don't need somebody doing this full time. Why pay me X dollars a year when you can have me for a part of that time, still get the job done and still pay a lesser amount. So I think the fractional workforce is going to help company meet budgets, but still get them the top level expertise they need to get things done. You don't need to have somebody full time all day, every day and pay them benefits to reap what they know in a reasonable budget friendly way. We heard, I heard something here at FRAC 2023 that many times a full-time role will be vacant and the company feels that they need to hire another full-time role because Joe was so busy. But then we recognize that what a lot of times takes up people's time is the socialization, is right. the burnout that employees face, whereby fractional executives are hyper-focused on delivering the value. Where right. at a W-2 employee who decides to kind of, you know, do whatever they do for maybe six out of the eight hours and right. then rushes around like crazy for the last two because he needs to look busy. <laughs> um, so that is something that I think from a myth busting, you need to really ask yourself, you can't see what people are doing every single day in your organization. Correct. And it would be worthwhile just to talk to a fractional executive in an area that you possibly need so that you can really kind of assess what are my needs of my organization? Am I results oriented? I just right. need to get this done. Or is it maybe even something that's a culture? No, I want that socialization. That's the kind of culture I want. Exactly. But, you know, I think we are moving, our workforce is moving in a direction that you have alternatives. You don't need to, if you want that totally inclusive culture where you're partying 20 hours of the 40 hours a week, because right. that's the culture you want to create, then God bless you. But if you want to, if you really just want to get that top line, get that bottom line, that's a different mindset that some CEOs can adopt as well. And I think you said it best, Carol, you're not hiring a person, you're hiring results. And if that person produces those results in a much shorter period of time, why would you fight that? I mean, and you're paying for that shorter period of time. So I think as executives see more and more what the fractional community can do, they can see that they're getting better value for their dollar mm -hmm. and they don't have to have the performance reviews each year. They don't have to go through the extensive vetting and unemployment benefits. I mean, there's just so many things they can save money on and still get top tier people. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much answered my next question, which is, you know, how do you see fractional executives fitting in in the future of the yeah. workforce planning? I think the hardest part is just going to be adoption. Got it. And I run into that with CLO. People say, oh, chief legal officer. Mm. Training has always had the reputation of being the lowest budget mm. and the first to be cut. Yeah. So it's just kind of part and parcel that when you choose to get into training, you just have to understand that's the way it is. But 
I think the benefit of the fractional, especially FRAC 2023, people like yourself getting it out of there, John Arms organizing it, is that it's going to become more well-known. And we're going to see this huge shift towards companies that are more concerned about value for their dollar than the fact that they have an FTE. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And people sometimes forget that that FTE is way more than just a salary. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. They, yeah. they forget that. Yep. Um, so tell me, what did you like most about FRAC 2023? I like the fact that I came in here and was just bludgeoned with information. I came in thinking I was on a pretty good path. You know, everything's going good. Business is going good. And then I came here and I found myself just taking dozens of pages of notes to meet with other people doing this and to almost go back to just never having done it in a mindset. It's been amazing. Um, I, I've gotten to meet some authors. I've gotten to meet some people who have been extremely successful uh, some people have started business and grown them to uncanny results from unlikely origins. Yeah. And FRAC 2023, I can't imagine this not growing exponentially. Yeah, it's been really just eye-opening, I think, for many yes, people. Has. Lots of aha moments. Yep. All right, so what's the one thing you want to leave us with, uh, especially for our listeners that are CEOs, founders, people who would be looking to bring on a fractional like you? I think the big thing to remember, especially about the CLO spot, is there's very few companies that don't agree that training's necessary. They need to upskill their sales force. They need to upskill their managers. They really need those customer service stars for their testimonials. But since we're always the lowest budget group and we're always the first to be cut, you don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah. You're going to get my yeah. hours. They're going to be dedicated hours and they are going to be top quality results. So... It's almost like companies got what they wish for. They got a training program without the high cost yes. and without having to worry about allocating them a budget or or the the fear of having to let them go one day. Yeah. So it definitely reduces the risk. It absolutely does. Yeah. Well, yeah. fantastic. Thank you so much Carol, for coming on you. the podcast. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, guys, we're going to have our next guest coming up shortly. So thank you so much. Thank you, Carol. Enjoy the rest of the day. Will do. Thank you, everyone. All right. So up we, what we have up next, if Jazz is here, was our keynote speaker yesterday. So stay on board. You'll see more. Thanks so much, Jake. Thank you, Carol. Is this going to go out as a recording somewhere? Can yeah. I so we're LinkedIn Live. So And that will always be there. But that's why I have my people here. We're doing a full recording. And then I'll be able to send it to you. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. And thank you for what you do. Oh, I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to The Fractional Edge. We hope you enjoyed our insightful discussions and feel inspired to unleash your competitive edge. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to stay updated with the latest episodes. You can also connect with our podcast guests to benefit from their expertise and explore collaboration opportunities by visiting our website, thefractionaledge.com. Join us next time as we continue to explore the power of workforce planning and fractional executives in today's competitive business landscape. Until then, take care and keep growing.